today on CityCast Salt Lake. I visited with Salt Lake icon Princess Kennedy at her salon in the library to chat about why she's getting out of Salt Lake's bar scene. After hosting the largest pride party in our city for 10 years, turns out she thinks she owes Salt Lake an apology and is ready to move on. Today's Wednesday, June 22nd, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. I know a little bit about your story because I think that I don't want to make you uncomfortable saying this. I think you're kind of a legend. Uh, thank you. Do you think you're a legend? I think do you that get I, that a lot? I, I do get it a lot, and I also understand why. Yeah. And Why it, do you think? Well, because I am from here, right? I was born and raised here, and I left as soon as I could mm. to go and live a life of rock star. And and you know, I've lived I've based in San Francisco, but I've been I've lived in New York and L.A. and Amsterdam, and I went to school in Paris. And I kind of went and did the thing. My undergrad was in theater, uh, backstage crafts, and I ended up. I was actor, but back then I've been, I've identified as trans before the trans was a word. Like I just, I've looked like this since I was a teenager in the eighties. So that wasn't easy here in Salt Lake city to, to do that. You know what I mean? But I just did it and, um, left to get as far away as I possibly could to have party as hard as I could (laughs) and ended up having a really charmed, experience. I got to San Francisco and I didn't do the acting thing in school because there were no roles. If I wanted to be an actor, I would have had to have played Rocky Horror Picture Show for the rest of my life. Right. You know what I mean? That yep. was that mm-hmm. was the options in the mm-hmm. early nineties. So I went backstage and I was already doing hair. And I was able to kind of do the degree to be like um theatrical wigs and makeup. Mm, which yeah. I already did hair, so it kind of fit with it. And after, and I interned in Paris, the Paris Opera, and then uh, my parents had moved to Manhattan because my dad went back to kind of help uh, design the temple. My dad was in, uh, in architecture and stuff like that. Went back to help design the temple, and my mom wanted to go back and be a do- docent. So they moved <laughs> there, you know, and I came back and lived in New York and kind of had just, in Paris, kind of, it was the biggest place I'd ever been. And I, I say that I went and interned and went and did some school in Paris, but I mostly raved my brains out. Ugh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, one would which, which, yeah. And I went after that, I came home and I didn't ever have to do that again, which was good. I got that out of my system. You know what I mean? And then was hired right within probably six months of that to be head of wigs and makeup for San Francisco Opera's touring department. And I got to San Francisco and I to- did the tours for two years. And then suddenly I was like, oh, there are roles for me here. Yeah. Which I went back onto stage, which led into um, music, to me being in bands. And long story short, I, uh, for the last few years of being in San Francisco, I was in a band called Pepper Spray with um, five lead singers. They called the San Francisco Chronicle called us the Spice Girls meets the Sex Pistols. <laughs> and uh, I mean. we, the person who put the band together since the 80s would put together these really charming bands that would do really well. And so we ended up opening for everybody and our kind of final big gig before I ended up moving back to Salt Lake City as we were um, on the one of the farewell tours with Cher. Ugh. And so, and so I, I was able to leave and go and la- live my best life. And when I came back here, yeah, when I came back home to Salt Lake City, I came back here and I didn't know how to transfer my life from being a club queen. Yeah. 
I still wanted that. I still wanted the recognition and I still wanted that stuff. And so I marched myself into the City Weekly and said, hey, your paper kind of um, lacks a full, well-rounded thing of arts and entertainment. And I know you guys are looking for arts and entertainment stuff, and there's a lot more that's happening around town that is just not, not just live music, like art openings and um, DJs and all that other stuff. And I was like, and I think that Salt Lake City, this is 2008, okay. right? Yeah. And I was like, I think Salt Lake City, I don't have a lot of experience about writing. I'd written some stuff before, um, that I was able to submit to them. I was like, I don't have a lot of experience, but I think that like people are ready to hear about life through my eyes right? and take it to that next level. Cause if there's one thing that I do now, it's about, I do have a PhD in nightlife and art scene and stuff yeah. like that. So I was able to like not have to really participate in, I, if I never got on a stage again, I'm fine with that. Right. I, that's something I don't have. I don't have the need for, I don't want to start a band, I don't want to do that stuff. Yeah. So I was able to, you know, I kind of parlayed into the Slug magazine, Slug magazine column where I was just able to tell people about how amazing I was <laughs> without actually ever having to do anything. And <laughs> it worked for me. And that, <laughs> my darling, is how you become a legend. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, honestly, a great answer to that question. <laughs> it's a, a lot around it, yeah. Well, so I am curious, like, I want to get into talking about the party and other things, but I do have another question about your return to Salt Lake, which is like, how has the scene changed? Oh, I mean, dramatically. We had so many gay bars here. We we had the oldest gay bar west of the Mississippi that is where that new Sky building is on State Street. It was called the Radio City, and it was a gay bar starting in the 1930s, huh. and that's where... Legend Joe Redburn was a bartender and kind of started Pride Day back in the 70s. Huh. Was there, you know what I mean? But we had the Deer Hunter that I daringly called the Queer Hunter. And there was In Between and there was, I don't know, there was a ton of them. If you research onto the City Weekly, you can find one of my columns where I wrote about the history of the gay bar in Salt Lake City because P.F. Chang's was a lesbian bar in the 1930s and 40s. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? There's a lot of there's a lot of culture. So we had a big culture, but it was all very underground and it was all on the other wrong side of the tracks. You know what I mean? And to give a little bit of perspective as to what people saw in Pride this year, one of my first Prides in 87 to 89, they were at Sunnyside Park, and it was like some softball team doing a dunking booth and then like some Leatherman's Club doing the barbecue and drag queens performing on the back of a flatbed with basically bigger than a than a, a boombox. And at the end, the maybe couple hundred of us, if there was a couple hundred of us, would all hold hands while they blared, we are family. And that was Friday. And I really actually hope that maybe we can refine some of that again. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about like you. One of the reasons that I called you is because I saw you posted on your Instagram and you were like, it's time to pass the torch. It is. I have been hosting a pride block party for a while now, but you have. And um, you said that you're maybe like getting out of the bar scene a little bit. I am getting out of the bar scene. So what's the story? Nine years ago when I was writing for Slug Magazine and nine, ten years ago, the owner of the venue asked me what 
they could do to like some sort of night that they could do at their bar to kind of incorporate the community. I kind of was just like, well, you're a sports bar, so probably not a lot. Right. <laughs> and then after the slug flow, I was like, it was hot as balls out there. And like me and my friends had just gotten off our bikes in the parade route because that's what we were doing in slug that year. And they just opened up the rooftop patio. And I think, let's all go over there. So it was about me and 30 of my friends went over there and kind of took over the rooftop patio and had a lot of fun. And I was like, Boing. I was like, <laughs> this is what you can do. I was like, we're going to show Salt Lake City what a pride party can be like. You know, and I was like, I can do this. And it was amazing. The first couple of years was so awesome. And there was like maybe 300 people of us, uh, uh, you know, on the rooftop. And it was the hot ticket to get in. And yes, there was downtown too, but everybody wanted to get on the rooftop. But we had the DJs up there. And it was this fun party and everything went great. And then we got the street party. And that was very cool. Like, who knew that that was going to be a thing? Like, that first year or two, it had this cool sort of East Village 80s vibe that went to it. So I went through and did 2021 because we were in this amazing bubble of everybody just got vaccinated and there was no Delta variant. And so it felt like it was over and they didn't have pride that year. There was just a story garden that was happening. And we decided to just plan and we decided if we needed to, we'd cancel but it just turned out that we didn't. And so our party went from around, you know, the 300, maybe it gotten up to a thousand that second year for the street party to around three to 5,000 people. And it was just like, whoa, it was way, you know, it was just like all of a sudden I realized that I had, it, and it had a weird, it had a different vibe and I couldn't put my finger on it. And I was just like, okay, this is definitely the last year. But the powers that be can be a little bit intimidating. And by the time they started planning again, it was too late for me to back out. So I had to do, I had to go back and, and, and help. And so I helped, you know, it's like, it's a lot of planning. I started planning it in January. I helped find around seven to eight DJs. And this year I was like, I need to do something in pack. I have to do something about this because quite frankly, I would go around to different venues finding um, DJs and stuff like that. And this year, I just kind of was like, wait a minute. I'm only finding parties that have white DJs DJing for white people. And it's like, are we supposed to be doing things differently? So I really set out there. I have DJs come back two years and then we pass it on. So I actively went out to find an African-American DJ, a Latina DJ, a trans boy DJ, you know, uh, the DJs that, you know, are, that has been doing it since the beginning is Polynesian. And I really felt like this is great. Like, you know, we need to, my party, I get a lot of flack because all my friends are like, so many straight people. Yeah. And I'm like, well, we don't get to pick and choose our allies. We don't get to pick and choose our allies and we don't get to, um, you know, and, a, and they bitch about them in the bars. In the gay bars on Pride Day, wearing their rainbows. And I was like, so maybe I'm just keeping them out of your bars and you're welcome. Whenever posture comes up in conversation, we all do that thing where we immediately sit upright and pull our shoulders back. Did you do it just now? I did a movement session with Chandler at Embodied Patients. And after a few gentle corrections, I was surprised to find sitting up straight is incredibly easy. 
Chandler's practice combines over a decade of study in yoga, Pilates, and the Alexander Technique. So why should you invest in your posture? Let's start with the link between better posture and better breathing. Whether you're returning to activity from an injury, looking to manage pain, or just have the sense things could be a little easier, Chandler will teach you to create sustainable movement habits so that you can enjoy the things you love for longer. Maybe that's running marathons. Maybe it's walking the dog. Visit embodiedpatients.com to book a session with Chandler and give yourself the gift of your own attention. I had this experience with these two dudes that were standing next to my table and they were kind of standing there for a long time and I've got this big table up on the rooftop and I said to them, hey, um, you guys are more than welcome to sit down at the table if you want to. And one of them, I get this look from men who peripherally don't realize that I'm trans at first that they give me when they realize that I'm trans. And it's like this look of disgust. It's like an awful thing. And I got this look from them and he looked at me and he looked me up and down. He's like, I'm good. And they turned around, walked away. And I was like, "Hmm, that's not great. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not great that that happened. And the party sort of had this different vibe. And then I switched over to an artist. The the day switched over from one artist to the other. And about two songs into them, I got a text message from the powers that be that said this person needs to be playing different music immediately. And I was like, no, this person was hired for this music that they're playing. And I was like, I'll go right down and find out what's going on. And I got down there and they were behind the DJ with this insane look on their face. And the DJ had this terrified look on their face. And I was pulled over into the corner and screamed at, I don't like this music and I'm watching money walk out the door. And they made me fire the person And I had to help them pack up their stuff while they bawled in front of multiple hundreds of people. And it was the most humiliating and the most anti-pride behavior I have ever experienced in my life. And it was so awful. I was, I was completely blank. I, I didn't know what to do. And I was telling, telling them, I was like, I don't know how, I don't know what's going on. I'm horrified that this is happening. And they went to get another DJ to pull them out on the thing. And then I just kind of looked around and I was surrounded by people that were so wasted. They couldn't form sentences everywhere. And I was like, I'm not at a pride party. I'm at a St. Patrick's Day party. I'm at a Mardi Gras party. I'm at a, I'm at, I'm at a, you know, I'm not at a pride party. And everywhere around me, the only rainbows had corporate logos on them everywhere. And I all of a sudden realized that I had built something that I was completely 100% against. I felt sick to my stomach. I was just like, this is not what pride is. Like we've totally like, yes, maybe once upon a time we had to drink just to get through our lives, but this is not what it is. And none of these people are here to celebrate pride. They're here to get wasted. And 
none of this money is going back to the community. It's all going into the pockets of the powers that be. And what have I done? What have I done? I felt, you know, I, I felt so awful. So I immediately went to... I immediately went upstairs after this whole incident. They escorted this girl out of the back door. I mean, it was so horrific to experience on Pride Day. And this person is probably the most, the biggest ally to the community. And quite frankly, has some issues with some self-esteem. And I just couldn't believe that, like, maybe that this was happening in front of my eyes and that not only that but it was like my name was all over it but there was zero consideration as to what this would do to my reputation and there was nothing I could do about it right so I went upstairs back to my table where I sat completely blank and then immediately started fights with everybody around me because (laughs) as a you know I mean it's just like I was triggered so much I'm on hormones and so it's like what people don't realize is that I'm trans people that go on hormones go through a second puberty and I didn't realize that I would start feeling the feelings of abuse that I had went through and the feelings of rejection and watching that unfold with her it just got worse and so I just started fighting and it's just like I I can't have my life be a series of fight or flight which is exactly what I did and about I was supposed to be there until nine and at seven o'clock I looked at my friend and I was like get me out of here I was like I'm gonna go down to the alley I'm gonna call a lift in five minutes, I want you to pick up my purse and just walk out. And I went home and just completely decompressed and had to get the most heartbreaking message from the DJ the next day of literally her worst nightmare played out in front of hundreds of people. And I was like, this is not what I'm about. This is not what I'm about. This is not what I built. I have birthed Rosemary's baby and I'm Rosemary and there's nothing I can do about it. And here's the thing is that party, they're going to be able to, they're going to be able to do this party forever. Right. You know what I mean? The party is in many ways its own entity. It's its own entity. And not only did I create this party, I created five other parties that happened in parking lots and streets all over Salt Lake City. And it's not about monetizing the rainbow. And I totally was guilty to the party so one of the main reasons that I've agreed to do your podcast is because I owe the community a little bit of an apology that I did that I was completely in that and vanity thy name is Kennedy I was glamorized by a full picture in the weekly and like everybody knows that I have the biggest party in town and blah 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 but it's just like you have to be careful what you wish for because bigger isn't better Hmm. you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so that being said um, I am going to do better. And these parties, I want people to really, really take a look at what pride is. We do not go out on Martin Luther King Day and say, hey, let's get wasted as possible for black people. That's horrific sounding, right? It's the same thing with pride. There are people, there's a reason why we're here. And it's not because we got here because Miller decided to make their rainbow their beer cans rainbowed at this point, you know what I mean? Or whatever company that is trying to push an agenda when it's just supposed to be a celebration of community and a celebration of being, you know, we should just all be holding hands in a circle and singing we are family. You know what I mean? And I will never, ever, ever do anything for pride again. 
that doesn't have 100% of the proceeds going back to, into the community for some kind of thing. In fact, this is kind of my dream. It won't happen mm -hmm. for a while because they're about to remodel the roof of the library. But if I could get the library to give me their roof, I would bring Princess Kennedy's rooftop party back. It would be all ages. There would be nothing sponsored by it. It would just be a four-hour dance party for everybody <laughs> with a suggested donation and everything would go back. And that's what pride needs to be. Yeah. I can feel these feelings and I have to do stuff to make things better for the community because that's what I've done since I moved here. I've kind of blazed trails for people like, you know, it's like I have, I, I was pretty much one of the only vocal, visible trans people in Salt Lake for a long time. Mm -hmm. And it's really weird as an activist to have all of a sudden have it be so saturated because I'm not. It's like I don't have to like, we're here. And yeah, everybody knows we can see. Right. <laughs> we can see. So it's like I'm still kind of finding out to carve a place. But I really want people to go back to Pride in a way of like pool parties and little house parties and, you know, things that are give back and not like, you know, doing a party of 5,000 people so that I can hear somebody bitch about their contractors being too slow on their kitchen in their house in Long Beach. It was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking to see myself there. So I apologize to the community for putting stuff out there, but I'm here to do stuff and be better and make better. And, and I mean, that's what we're supposed to do, right? Right. You know, there's, it's a very fine line of celebrating pride and monetizing it. Yeah. We can't monetize it. Mm -hmm. We can't. What do you think Salt Lake needs now? Like, what is, because you've talked about. Well, Salt Lake City needs to be able to figure out how to go through growing pains. And this, at the end of the day, is what it is. It's mm. growing pains. Hmm. There's no way that I could know. Because suddenly Salt Lake City has been, like, I remember when Pride switched from being just like that cute little street parade thingy to turning the corner to go down Pride to see thousands of people down the street I was like whoa and yeah. it happened really quickly mm -hmm. and uh and things happen with growing pains and I want people to know that like yes it's fun to go out and party and have your drinks and no judgment on that you know about what you want to do but it's like there was a time when we didn't have a choice but to go out and get wasted on pride because we just had to cover up the feelings of what we were going through right mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that this isn't the interview you thought you were going to get today, but I <laughs> I just feel really strongly that like I don't want that I don't want there to be a gray area of that. This is this is a civil right celebration. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not what it's looking like, and I don't know what to say. What Salt Lake City needs, but I just need they just need to be able to go through growing pains and learn and grow and just have some perspective on what stuff is. And right there, the whole story that I just told is complete perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when you're going someplace to party for pride, are the only rainbows, do they only have corporate logos on them? Where's the money going to go? Just be conscious, be conscious about, you know, mm -hmm. how you're celebrating pride and what you're celebrating for and who you're celebrating with. Mm -hmm. lesson learned it's a hard lesson to learn you know I don't expect to make friends from any of this I hope that people will take a lesson from somebody who has been a party queen forever and loves a good party if you told me that I would be sitting at a microphone saying like maybe we should pull back and not party as much during Friday I would have been like you crazy <laughs> but 
you know, I, again, you go out and you have fun and you do what you do and you have your pride party, but it's just, let's be really conscious about, let's be really conscious about our neighbors and what we're celebrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're all supposed to be doing better. And, and it's the people that like to talk about doing better that aren't doing better. You know what I mean? Do it. You know, let's not talk about it anymore. Let's just do it. Yeah. That's right. Are you going to do better? I'm going to try. Okay. Me too. That's all we could do. Princess Kennedy, thank you so much for your time and for sharing thank with me. Thank you so much. Thank you for letting me purge that. A little news before we go. We're going to zoom out from our city for a quick minute here because if you haven't heard, I need to share some incredibly sobering news from the Colorado River. Water managers from around the Southwest participated in a U.S. Senate hearing on the drought last week, and here's what they had to say. The Colorado River's two reservoirs, Lake Powell and Lake Mead, could soon not have the supply to meet our demand. And that means regionally, the Southwest needs to cut its water use by two to four million acre feet. For perspective, The entire state of Arizona's current allotment is 2.8 million acre feet. So we need to cut our use by more than the state of Arizona's entire allotment. That's the stat that really sent me off my chair. Who is we? We are the seven basin states. Colorado, Utah, New Mexico, Wyoming, Nevada, California, and Arizona. The feds say we don't care how you do it but you all need to figure out how to share the burden and cut your water use, which means some very difficult conversations about water are around the corner, even though it feels like we're already having them. That's our show today here on CityCast Salt Lake. One quick note, The CityCast Salt Lake Hotline got our first butt dial last weekend, and I could not be more delighted. (laughs) Have thoughts on a recent show or something to share with the class? Save the number in your phone and you just might butt dial us, 801-203-0137. If it's a regular dial, we might play it on the show. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around this city. Bye. Bye.